You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code TBPN during sign-up. Here's what you got to do, just so you know. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? So download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is Jason Jones of The Athletic bringing you the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. Again, I am your host, Jason Jones, here to talk a little Kings and whatever else comes to mind. And I like to get to the whatever else comes to mind part sooner than usual. Well, I I would like to because, well, not much good to talk about when it comes to the Kings. Uh... By the time this show drops on Thursday, you'll have seen and known the Kings have now lost eight in a row. Uh, Following their uh, loss to the Washington Wizards, this was a team that (laughs) at one point was, it looked like they were poised to do some, you know, do some damage, so to speak. Uh, Get in there and possibly just possibly you know make a run for that playing game but 
I'm done talking playing game, playoffs, anything beyond, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty much ready to look at, you know, the offseason at this point with this team just because it's, it's gotten to that point to where there's not a whole lot that can be said about the team at this point. Defense non-existent, layup line. <laughs> in the first quarter for the Washington Wizards, who had 42 points at the end of the first quarter, 24 points in the paint, and yeah, pretty much had their way. The Kings did something I'd never seen before. They scored 38 points off of turnovers and still lost. Now, I don't I don't have Elias on speed dial, but I mean that's gotta be near impossible to do to Get 38 points off of turnovers, and somehow you're down. You lose by 12, and you're down by as many as 19 in the game. It's just insane. But these are the Kings, and things are, of course, whatever should make sense doesn't make sense. So typical Kings world. But which brings me to what I want to talk about right now, and that's the situation with Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, Marvin is going to rejoin the team Thursday in Phoenix after being away since he's uh, broke broke a bone in his uh, left hand. You know, so he's uh, been I guess been down in Phoenix with his family. You know, getting tested down there for COVID to stay within protocol, um, rehabbing, and I would assume working out in Phoenix, but not with the team and. I've touched on this before, but it just, this doesn't set well with me at all. Just the situation. And before I get to Marvin, I'm going to just start with looking at the Kings organization as a whole. Or should I say the leadership, the front office leadership, as to why this situation, in my opinion, is problematic. One, the Kings have had a history of enabling their players and coddling players and kind of giving players a pass or behavior that should be disciplined or when there is discipline, maybe not coming down as hard as they need to. And this has gone on for years, you know, whether it was, you know, a coach suspending DeMarcus Cousins and ownership stepping in and shortening the suspension, which, you know, of course would create friction between player, coach, and front office, um, which happened actually a couple of times with DeMarcus. Uh, <laughs> George Carl, in fact, wanted to suspend him, and Vlade Divac told him he couldn't suspend him. Then he later suspended him, you know. But just kind of, the, the, you got that. You've got the situation with Dave Yeager when Dave Yeager yells at Buddy Hill during a game. And a lot of people can, can um, well, a lot of people at the time believe that Dave, you know, went too far with that situation in essence of showing up a player. But that situation there kind of led to the downfall of that season in what, 2019 and or it started it. I, th- I think it was headed that way anyway, but still it was kind of a it kind of became a catalyst to that and eventually led was a re- part of the whole relationship thing. The reason why Dave Yeager lost his job. So, you know, your coach tries to coach the players and the coach loses his job and 
What that does then is it has some of the players feeling like maybe they have a little more pull than they actually should have. But again, like I said, it's just this history of coddling players, enabling strange behavior. And at some point it has to stop. It just has to stop. And yes, Marvin was allowed to leave the team, but why would you allow that? You know, why would you allow an injured player, a player who has missed a ton of games due to injury? He's missed nearly half the games he could have played in his career, (laughs) you know, due to injury. Why would you let him leave for an extended period of time? And then he can just meet up with you in Phoenix and then go to Dallas and then he'll be around the rest of the season. So what? He gets an extra all-star break. I don't understand this. And, Luke Walton doesn't really have have didn't have much of an explanation, but in this instance, I think that it should be the general manager Monty McNair explaining this because, again, even if Luke, like I said, this is not the case. But even if Luke was like, "I'm tired of Marvin. I don't want him around. If he's going to be around, you know, hypothetically, this is not what I'm saying what happened. But say Luke says Marvin's sulking. I don't want him around. Even then, the general manager." you know, would be able to step in and say, no, here's how we're going to handle this. Instead, the Kings are like, Marvin, you don't, you're hurt. Maybe you're feeling down. You know, you can go back, you can go, you can just leave. And of course, there's a lot of things we don't know in terms of where Marvin's head was at, things of that nature. But I just, I can't see any benefit to allowing Marvin to be away from the team for this long and when he could have been with his teammates you know sure he's not playing but there is some value of him <clears throat> excuse me <coughs> excuse me being with his teammates those times where the team does have film session being a part of those sessions in person being able to ask coaches questions during games as things are happening, not sitting at home or, you know, sitting with the family, whatever he may be doing, not a part of it, not with his team. And again, it's not unusual for an injured player to not travel, but for an injured player to just go to leave. And it's not a season. This is not a season in the injury with Bagley. So it just makes no sense. And on that one, the, the organization has to take the L for that. Plain and simple. It's, it's on the organization. You can't you they've allowed this behavior for whatever reason. You know, whether they're being nice, whether they're just tired of Marvin and don't want him around anymore. You know, whatever the case may be, but there needs to be more of an explanation of this. And to me it's not on the coach to explain this. It's on it's on management because management has to sign off on, on such a decision and Asking your coach to explain it to me just isn't fair. You know, you know, it's just, you know, makes no sense to me. And now that I've talked about management, we can move on, on to Marvin and simply ask, why would Marvin think this is a good idea? Just why? You know, he said in the past he's been able to glean things while he's been injured, you know, being around the staff. Known as teammates, so to be away, especially if the team is struggling right now, it's just not a good look. And 
situation like this for Marvin reminds me of that old, kind of that old saying, just because you can do something, maybe it's not an old saying, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And just because the team might have said it was okay to leave for this long or go rehab on your own and stay and basically rehab remotely, that don't mean you should. I really do believe there would have been great benefit to Marvin being with his teammates. Great benefit to that. And even if it's just, you know, riding the bike, you know, and being around the guys and picking up things. So it it makes sense to keep Marvin around. So I really did do the, in this situation, put the onus on the organization and just kind of goes to show you that GMs have changed, coaches have changed, but some parts of the culture of the Kings that have led to the problems they've had have not changed, and this is one of them. And who knows how Marvin will be when he gets back. You know, they've kept tabs on him, but that's not the same as him being in the building, you know, on a regular basis, working with the team doctors, team, you know, working with the uh, team development coaches. For those of you who don't know, it's not uncommon for a play. You know, say the Kings go on a road trip like they've been on a couple of road trips. It wouldn't be uncommon in that case for the team to leave, but a coach to stay back to work out Marvin and do whatever it is they need to do with him. You know, while the team is gone. It's something that's been done before. If you remember last season when De'Aaron Fox sprained his ankle, I believe Rico Hines was the one that stayed behind and worked out with De'Aaron. And I think that that probably could have been arranged for Marvin, you know, if he were with the team. And you look around the league and you see some injured stars. You see LeBron James on a six-game road trip with the Lakers and Anthony Davis, two guys who were two were injured, but they're with their teammates supporting them and it's it's just not a good look. I just think, but, but then again, that's par for the course for the Kings. Things that aren't good, a good look, kind of become the norm. And as uh, just some talking to people and you know, kind of get a feel for what others around the league see about the situation. Some people are wondering, what the hell has Marvin been doing? You know, has he just been chilling? You know. Marvin doesn't exactly have a history of bouncing back quickly from injury. So could he have gotten back faster if he was with the team? Who knows? But he was injured on March 15th. Uh, Today is April 15th. And it was one of those four to six week deals. So the team will get a good look at him in person in Phoenix. And then from there, kind of decide what to do. Luke Walton said that they're going to, you know, once now once he's back with the team, they can start working toward integrating him back into the mix. And the Kings need Marvin to get back because they're going to be out with Sean Holmes, you know, for at least the next couple of games. He uh, strained his right hamstring on Monday, missed Wednesday's game. But I don't expect Marvin to be back, you know, the, you know, in, on the trip in Phoenix or Dallas to help with that. But... As I wrote about in The Athletic, when it comes to Marvin, perhaps, you know, the, the fact that the team let Marvin do this and is really a sign that they're done with Marvin as an organization. They're ready to move on. And 
what better way to show that you don't really care than to say, we'll let the guy leave. And maybe in terms of the big picture, maybe they're trying to play the PR game down the road and think, you know, maybe it's easier to trade a guy if he can be painted as a malcontent that wouldn't even be around his teammates when he was injured. With the Kings, who knows? But it's just not a good, like I said, a good look at all for this organization. But, you know, what's new? And we'll see how Marvin is when he gets back. And when he does get back, we'll get a chance to see if maybe these will be the last few games Marvin plays as a King. Maybe he's moved in the offseason. Who knows? But I just don't see the Marvin Bagley III King's marriage working out well in the end. I just don't. Just don't see how this thing can, can work itself out. So we'll see what happens with that as we go forward. And enough about Marvin Bagley. What I want to touch on next is... Uh, kind of this uh, the question about the Kings' depth. Now, I know after the trade deadline, you know, Monty McNair said that he was targeting value at the deadline, so he got some good value in the players they picked up, the four guys they picked, you know, Mo Harkless, Chris Silva, Darrell Wright, and Terrence Davis. But after a couple of good, you know, games to start, uh, that group, kind of really tailed off. Uh, Terrence bounced back with a 12-point game against the Wizards, but he had been largely ineffective or quiet since he had his big uh, uh, seventh three-pointers made game uh, a couple of weeks ago against Milwaukee, I believe it was. So he had been largely quiet. DeLon Wright, you know, did I call him Darrell? Or that's his brother. But, you know, DeLon Wright really hasn't been very impactful lately. Uh, Mo Harkless is starting. He's had a couple, you know, some bright moments, but not hardly the the impact that he would hope for. But then again, you're asking a guy who had been out of the rotation in Miami for all season to come in and start for you now and make an impact. And so what it's looking like right now is all the moves that were celebrated just aren't, you know, panning out big time right now when the Kings need it the most. And early on, those guys all joined the Kings. Their enthusiasm was obvious. They were happy for a chance to, you know, make a push for the play-in game or play-in tournament. But like I said, there's just not a whole lot of punch with that bench. And part of that problem also was the fact that Tyrese Halliburton is struggling mightily right now. No, he's back with the second unit, and he's just not playing well. He said so on Monday night that he's not playing well. Shot 3 of 13 against the Wizards, and he's just not, just doesn't have that same swagger and flair to his game that he had even a couple of weeks ago. So, as the Kings look to dig themselves out of this eight-game losing streak they're on, they're going to need the bench at some point to step up, you know, you know, and show out. And right now, that's just not happening. I said, whether it's Tyrese, whether it's DeLon, whether it's Terrence, you know, actually the guy who had a, I thought, was a, had a decent look 
uh, Wednesday was Hassan Whiteside. You know, 12 points, 9 rebounds, some block shots. And once he came into the game, he changed the tone uh, defensively to where all of a sudden it wasn't a layup drill for the Wizards. Which makes me, which leads me to wonder just what if, if the Kings want to stop the bleeding, especially to start games. I mean, they gave up 42 points in the first quarter. Completely unacceptable. 42 points in the first quarter? Damn. Some teams get 42 points and a half. They gave up 42 and a quarter. But I would consider, if I'm the Kings, especially with Holmes out, I would consider starting Hassan Whiteside. Does he fit your up and down? Game to start that you like? No. You know, the Kings started Damian Jones who's on a 10-day deal. You know, and he probably fits the up and down part of the game better than Hassan. But you got to do something different to shake things up. And the one thing about the one thing about Hassan is that he will protect the rim. He will be in the paint. You know, you're not going to get the same switchability that maybe you get with a Rashawn Holmes. You know, you're not going to see Hassan out there guarding perimeter players. But... It won't be an easy trip to the basket with Hassan in the game to start. And I think that's a look, you know, the coaching staff has to at least consider at this point. Because like I said, the hell we'll talk about the playoffs or whatever, just to try to get a win, do something different. And I think Phoenix would be an ideal situation to do that with. You've got, you know, DeAndre Ayton down there, big center. Why not throw Hassan at him? I don't think you can... He can't be any worse than what they've had <laughs> over, you know, over these last few games and losing eight in a row. You know, what do you got to lose at this point? I say throw Hassan out there in the starting lineup. That solves your size situation. You know, now you've got you know, you got your biggest player on the court to start the game. Maybe that prevents guys from getting to the rim. You know, maybe he gets you off to a good start rebounding, and maybe that can carry over and they can. You know, pull off an upset in Phoenix. I don't know if y'all agree with me. I know a lot of the fans can't stand Hassan Whiteside. Why, I don't know. But then again, these are some of the same people who couldn't stand Corey Joseph. And that's why Corey ended up coming back with the Pistons and kicking the King's ass. Sometimes you don't know what you got. You know, you don't. You don't appreciate guys who are just heady, <clears throat> excuse me, heady veterans. So I think if anything, Hassan would give the Kings a lot they could use in the middle. So I'm all for seeing what that looks like. So we've talked Marvin Bagley. We've talked the bench. Most specifically, we've talked the newest Kings and how they've kind of leveled off after their quick start. We talked about Hassan Whiteside, who, by the way, said he's feeling healthy now after his uh, knee injury, his sore knee to kept him out of some games. I say start Hassan. Why not? What do you got to lose? And is there anything else you we need to touch on when it comes to the Kings? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, they could match. I don't know if I've seen a team have set no two nine game lo- losing streaks in the same season, but the Kings can get that get that if they lose at Phoenix, and that would be pretty amazing. 
they will have had they would have had two stretches where they won seven of eight and twice where they lost nine in a row. That would be pretty impressive, but not in a good way. But then again, this team did just you know score down near forty points off of turnovers and lost by double digits. So with this Kings team, really anything anything bad is possible. So we'll see what happens from there. But enough of the Kings. I know many of you have had enough of the Kings. Hell, I've had enough of the Kings at this point. So, what do we want to talk about? We can talk about shift over to my favorite pastime, you know, or one of my favorite things to talk about music. And I've still been playing a lot of DMX. No, just digging in the crates, so to speak. Or not really the crates anymore. We just stream good stuff now. <laughs> so, been listening to a lot of that and don't really want to have another DMX day, but I will say this before I get into what I, uh, one other thing, something else with the music. Uh, I don't know if how many of you, uh, I will say this. Sometimes the internet is just stupid. And we saw that again when Someone somewhere created a meme or whatever that Jay-Z was buying DMX's masters and giving them to his children. Number one. I mean, well, the families cleared that up, but number one, it was a stupid rumor anyway, and people actually believed it. Like, the man passes away on a, what, a Friday... And within hours, Jay-Z's buying his, and Beyonce are buying his masters. Stop. We need to do better, people. We need to stop spreading this stuff on the internet. It's silly. It's crazy. Got his, forcing DMX's family to have to answer to something that you, you would assume people with common sense would know wasn't true. But hey, you know, was, and I'm going to have a little hint for y'all. If you can't find an actual reputable news organization to attach to your meme that you're sharing with your friends and saying is true it's probably not true and that little thing on the internet that was floating around for a couple of days no one could ever find or produce any type of confirmation anything but people ran with it and it's sad truly is sad but enough of me chastising you all about your internet usage <clears throat> let's revisit you know this week in hip-hop history and want to shout out a few people um april 14th is the birthday of the brat um you know out of you know the chicago area Jermaine Dupree, so so deaf. One of the dopest MCs, you know, to come up in the 90s. Um, for a lot of my homies, one of the first uh, women on the mic that they were like, yeah, she flows hard. You know, I would go back to MC Light personally, 
but there's a you know the people who would you know, I, I, some of my friends were like the brat was the her her debut CD was the first woman who was a rapper that they uh, purchased, which was you know <laughs> you know but uh, she's got some she definitely got some hits. Yo, know, I'm still a I'm, I'm I might have to go play some brat later on today. You know, but either way, happy birthday to the brat. Born April 14th, 1974. Oh, we're close in age. She's older than me, but hey. I didn't realize we were that close in age back in the day when she came out. And another another birthday, <laughs> recent birthday in hip-hop, David Banner. April 11th, 1974. One of the more intellectual rappers, some whose music I really enjoy. You know, great, you know, always has something, you know, you know, profound to say. And I really enjoy his music as well. So shout out to David Banner. And what I do, I want to salute a couple of other things in hip hop. You know, we did our birth. We did some birthday shout. Also, shout out to Q uh, Tip from a tribe called Quest. April tenth, nineteen seventy. Happy birthday, Q Tip. And one of just yeah. So, did we do all the birthdays we need to do? I think we did. And this week's you know album release from this you know this week in hip hop. Let's uh, touch on the Friday soundtrack. Yeah. April April 11th, 1995. And again, by the way, getting some of this stuff from todayinhiphophistory.com if you want to know where I'm finding some of these little tidbits on hip-hop. The Friday soundtrack, I don't want to bring that up is because I was in high school when this movie came out. And I remember it was getting terrible reviews. But me being an Ice Cube fan, I I am. I was going to go see this movie anyway. And needless to say, the movie is, is a classic. You know, a hip-hop movie classic. And the soundtrack, I don't know if you would call it a classic soundtrack. But, you know, some of the, you know, you know, the two main singles, Ice Cube's, you know, Friday... Dr. Dre, keep the heads ringing. That was those were the the hot no the highlights for me at least on the soundtrack. But this is also an era where sometimes the soundtrack would be better than the movie. In the case of Friday, the soundtrack was not better than the movie. And I don't say that as a as a diss to the soundtrack. I'm just saying that the movie was damn good. So do yourself a favor. You know, uh, uh, 420's coming up. So I know what some of y'all are going to do. But go ahead and get ready to uh, enjoy. Watch Friday. Watch next Friday. Watch Friday after next. Watch all the Fridays. Listen to all the soundtracks. Have a good-ass time doing that. And before I go, I want to mention one last thing that I could have mentioned. You know, it's a... Back last week, but what the hell? I'll mention it anyway. It's because it's a personal, it's a point of, of personal pride and joy for me. April 9th, 
1992. The debut single, or Dr. Dre's solo debut, Deep Cover, from the from the uh, movie soundtrack, Deep Cover, we're talking soundtracks, but we all know why that song was really important, not so much about Dre. It introduced the world to a young man from my city, Long Beach, California, named Snoop Doggy Dog. So, for me, that's exactly, you know, just wanted to just throw that out there because you can't mention Long Beach enough in my opinion. So, everybody out there be good. Uh, don't let these Kings bring you down if you're a Kings fan. If you were not a Kings fan, just happen to be listening, I say thank you. You know where to find me, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter, Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. Be on the lookout for all I'm doing at theathletic.com. You all be safe out there, and I will catch you all next week. Y'all take care. I'm out.